Sysops undead. Glad to see you could hack the ice and make it into this, the hidden grid. Today we're going to finish up part two of an intro to Shadowrun. Sit tight, kick back, and hang loose for about the next 50 minutes as we bring you up to date on your world of Shadowrun. Man, I could write a better novel than that. Have you ever thought this after reading a novel? Or have you always wanted to write but weren't sure how to get started? The Zero to Novel online novel writing course will get your creativity kickstarted. It provides a blueprint and tells you exactly what you need to be doing and how to do it every step of the way. From generating the right idea for you to polishing it up and getting it ready to send to publishers. All delivered weekly to your inbox so you can work on it when it fits your schedule best. And all in less than 30 minutes a day. Support this podcast by clicking the link on their site and get started writing your novel today. Now for our little GM section. We're calling this one How to Have a Good Team. Now, honestly, the biggest thing that you're going to have to worry about is how to get everyone to interact in a way that doesn't seem... Forced. Contrived and forced, really, yeah. And part of that is you have to look at all of the players sitting at the table and honestly make them figure out their connections. Right. Even if it's, you know, I'm the brother of so-and-so's girlfriend. <laughs> Who cares? Right. I mean, or, you know, we've been buddies since high school. Right. Those are all great ideas. What what I did was, I have we have an old contact, an old fixer, Sandman, and he is he is always everyone's fixer, and that way, you know, it's like a free contact. Everyone has him, and everyone knows him, and it's like a common link that everyone can have, no matter what else they talk about. They have one friend of a friend. Right. Yeah, and that's a great way to do it, too, is include that contact. That way, not everyone has to go see that contact. You right. could have just your face go and doing that right. The that all-important legwork that almost no one ever does. <laughs> I remember a few times where we went and scouted the place out and stuff like that. And we, I've spent entire games doing nothing but planning because there was so much to do, but it just seems the books don't talk about it enough. Don't talk about how to integrate legwork. You've got new players at your table. You've got old players at your table. You need to tell them, Hey, you know, your contacts, they're people and they know stuff. If you're going to go do something, look at your contacts and see if any of them might have any information. If none of them do, if you've got a fixer, they know everyone. That's their entire job is they know people. Get them to find – to help you with information. The more you know, G.I. Joe and now you know. Yeah, because if you don't know, honestly, legwork is the easiest thing in the universe to do. You say, hey, this is a – we're going into a corporate facility. Well, I have old corporate security guard who used to work for a company. Well, Maybe he'll know a little something. He might, and that's 
exactly what legwork is. It's going and talking to those people because they're people. And just remember that because the more that person may know, or the higher that contact rating is, then the more that you have to interact with them on a on a real level. And you can't just right. go and say, oh, tell me what I need to know. Right. They want something in return. Right. Even if it's just, you know, hey, man, we haven't gone and had coffee in a while. Yeah. And that will help not only this run, but will help give more ideas on how to get you working with the rest of your team. You say, hey, I got some information from this guy. And they're like, okay, cool. And it's reliable information. And later on, you're like, hey, you remember whenever we got, this guy gave us this info? Well, you know, we kind of owe him. He needs us to do this. It's a great tie-in to more sessions and just all around. You can't just always have Mr. Johnson that you've never met before needs you guys to do this thing that you know is illegal and you don't know if you can trust them. Give them somebody that they know they can trust, have them show how they can trust them and let them be the ones giving out jobs. Maybe it works out, you know, maybe in the end you don't want it to work out and you want them to turn on their contact. You know, all kinds of crazy stuff can happen. But oh, you yeah. uh, contacts are a great way to to advance, tie people together. Yeah, advance the the whole social the whole dynamic of all of the players and the and their characters together. I mean, contacts are a great way to do that because like you you used a fixer. Most GMs have, you know, a very small stable right of NPCs that they use and they use them from campaign to campaign. I've actually used cops. Yeah. Like street level cops. Actually one of the one of the craziest contacts that somebody actually went out and got was a street kid. <laughs> a street kid with her dog. <laughs> and it was supposed to be this just goofy girl that lives near where one of the characters lived and that NPC because it it started out as just a you know this is a contact and in the older versions you just had it's contact A. Right. It costs 5,000 new yen to get contact A. And so that's, you know, how you did it. But he started interacting with this little girl. He ended up pretty much adopting her. And anytime anything happened in the neighborhood, she knew about it. And it was like, all of a sudden, like, all the gangs started hanging out near them. And they ended up with, like, one of the most secure facilities <laughs> in the Barrens, all because one character chose, I want this street kid. That's funny. But it works. You that... never know what the players are going to latch on to. Yeah, and try to, you know, the first game, just try to play the game and get everybody the idea of what's going on. But then as you go, maybe, you know, if nobody's ever played before... Give them a character. Give them a character out of the book. Make make characters that will go well together. I prefer to make them because I like I don't like the characters in the book ever. They yeah. always seem very trite. I think the word would be. Yes. But I mean, 
one, too focused, and two, not general enough. I mean, they're kind of the same thing, but to me, they're not because you can't just grab... I challenge you to find five people in the book that really work well together as a team. Is this a challenge? Uh, yeah, sure. I'll give you a cookie. But it's just, they really, they're not helpful enough to each other to be, I don't know, to be a very cohesive team. But after you've played for a little bit, play a session, play two sessions, and say, hey, what would you like to do that you can't do? What can you do that you don't think you'll ever be doing? Give them a chance to uh, update it before you finalize it and say, okay, this is your character now. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really good way to do it. Even even if you say, hey, just go ahead and pick something out of the, the book and, you know, we're going to run this. Right. You know, whatever On the this run, maybe. is. On the run. Which or... is oddly enough what we're going to review later. Exactly. Wow. How so ironic. You, you... How ironic. <laughs> that's called a segue, remember? Oh, dang it. Oh wait, I I made I said something about it, so it's not a segue. Uh, yeah, I remember a promo saying that. So <laughs> yes, but the, using those characters, they they'll give all of your players a chance to at least see what they're about. And if the guy, you know, you have one guy that's like, you know, I thought I wanted to play a magician, but I really just don't like him. And yeah. then give him something else to play. Well, the opposite will happen. You know, I had a. One of the characters, I knew that he was, you know, he likes, you know, violent anime and stuff like that. So I gave him a, gave him an orc that was, uh, ba- you know, just basic street Sammy with a bunch of snooping type gear, you know, cyber ears, cyber eyes, recording stuff. He, you know, cyber, cyber spur. And when uh, I, t- I was telling him about the character, he's like, I want, I want a blade on my arm. I was like, I already got it for you. He's like, really? That's awesome. I, I want a gun. He starts flipping through his book, through the Arsenal book. I want a gun like that. You know what? Actually, you have a gun like that. He's like, really? That's awesome. I love it. And he, you know, likes the character. Yeah. And it, you know, it helps. You know, if the if the person likes the character, they'll be able to do more with it. You know, but you got to give them their moments to shine. You know, give him the give your street samurai the the car, the car off in the distance that you need not to get away. Oh, look, you've got a rocket launcher on your back. Why don't you try it? You know, let him right. blow, let him do the insane explosion from long distance that could never happen. You know, make him burn a point of edge. Exactly. But let him do something spontaneous and fantastic. Let the mage throw off a barrier. A too powerful physical, spell yeah. or something. Yeah. Throw off a physical barrier that actually stops them and lets them get away. You know, kind of give him a little bit of a boost when they need it because they need to, each character needs to be able to, to say, I did this at the end of the run. This is how I helped out. I did this. Yeah. Because that'll make them want to, yeah, it'll make them want to come back to the table because you're giving them that, those moments of kick assery, which is now going to be the new term for that. I I disagree. I think it's ass kickery. That's a much better. No, no, no. See, Kick assery. No. Ass kickery. Yeah, ass kickery. It sounds. It sounds way better. Okay, it does flow a little easier. Just letting you know. It? <laughs> it's on urban. It's on Urban Dictionary. Uh, and if it's not, please go at it, because it's my word. 
<laughs> I want to have the uh, social networking of Stephen Colbert where I say something and it becomes true. Hey, you just have to find a Wikipedia site. I know. And say, hey, go do this. Stuff. We'd have to get more than a few listeners. Yeah, well, let's – hey, guys, uh, tell all your friends about us. And uh, if they don't, they don't like it, you know, tell, hey, listen, we don't care. They're cool. <laughs> and get them, exactly. get them to play Shadowrun, you know, hey. You know, get ten groups running. Play every day. That's all the better. Hey, I would love to do that. If I could do that. Professional tabletop role-playing. You know, maybe become professionals and, you know, nobody ever thought there'd be video game professionals that all they did was play video games professionally. But there are. Yeah, there are. So, but I think we might ought to skip to our our review of On the Run because... You know, we've been doing this for way too long as it is. There is that. And, you know, this review, I, I don't want to call it a review because it's honestly reviewing the book. I th- we agreed, we talked earlier, we agreed it would be a two or a three easily. Yeah. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to talk about how to use the book and, you know, kind of how to play through that adventure and actually get it to to work because it has a few major flaws that could be easily fixed but you know you have to know that they're there you have to you have to little work, work with it a little bit and we're going to try to notch it up to like a 4 with our advice right okay well since you have been running this for your particular group why don't you go ahead and start off? You know, uh, I keep uh, stealing the show. It's going to be Exodus's Hidden Grid. Well, it might be, but I doubt that that'll <laughs> end up happening. Oh, yeah, that'd probably be bad. Well, you know, it's... Uh, you can pay the hosting, then. Sure. <laughs> you know, I'm holding the book in my hand now, and it has... The story's okay. The story, it doesn't... Most of the other adventures leave you with a sense of, wow, something kind of big just happened. You know, like Renraku Shutdown. You go to the Renraku Arcology and deal with an AI. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff happens. Something, yeah, that's a big one. Something Silver, I don't know what it's called. Uh, silver Euphoria or something. Where you, That's Queen Euphoria. Where that's you, Queen Euphoria. You deal with a toxic spirit. Bug spirit. And oh, bug spirit! Excuse me. Bug spirit. Excuse Big me. Difference, I haven't man. actually run it. I've just read it. I mean, <gasps> a lot of the a lot of the adventures, something big happens here. You know, this is this is a rundown of the story. Uh, go find the CD. Have at it. I mean, that's the information they give your characters to start the game. And it's if I told you to go out and find an eight track, and it's gonna have a sticker of a star on it have at it you tell me you tell me whenever you find it you're not going to find it i promise you this no matter yeah. how good your contacts are i mean it's acd somewhere that's that's really bad i mean it, yeah it's the <laughs> it is the weakest opening of any adventure that i've ever seen and that to me knocked off it knocked it off the first star it's already a four-star book, and I'm on page nine. Yeah. So, 
you know, where I have to agree that their opening was Yeah. It's got a lot of it's got a lot left. of good information, you know, if you've never run a game before, if you're not if you're new to running games, you know, get it. It's got some good tips in it. But we're oh, going yeah, the tips and advice in this book yeah. are, are really useful. But when especially they, for Shadowrun, they they right. give you like right. the how to's right. in a practical application with the characters that you have at your table. Yeah, but as a as an update to this book, um, don't don't have the bartender screw with your uh, screw with your party. You know, the bartender working at a bar is this guy is renting out a specific room in the club, and the bartender's gonna try to weasel some extra money out just to get you in there, you know, that's shady. That's bad for business. You know, she's not going to work there long if the highest paid clientele, you know, the guy's written out an entire room for an unknown amount of time. There's no way he's not paying for that. You know, don't, don't do that. And when he says, Hey, find this disc, you know, it's got some music information on it. Say, give them, skip the next section. You know, the next section, they're trying to find it. You know, give them a bone. Throw them a bone, skip the next section, and say, hey, I've heard, uh, I think the guy's name, Nabo. I've heard Nabo got, uh, got an email, and I, one of my friends, one, one of my contacts had said that he heard him talking about it. That's a lead. You know, give them a lead, because otherwise, I've read online, uh, when I told people, the money they'd be getting for it without telling them, uh, giving them a bone. They're like, there's no way we're going to do this for that amount of money. It's like finding a needle in a haystack. It's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, because, I mean, if you were to tell me, hey, hey, Zen, go, go find me this 8-track. Yeah, I'd tell you to go to hell. Right. You know, especially for, you know, I guess, I'm thinking, you know, they said 20,000 New Yen, you know, for five or six people, that's... You know, roughly the cost of one month's livings for each of them to find something that there's no way they could find, and it's right. it it feels like an errand. I mean, it doesn't feel like you're supposed to find it. It feels like, you know, here's some busy work. Yeah, to tide you over until we throw you the bone. Right. So so throw them a bone from the beginning. I mean, give them. Give them a way to find it. Give them a little information. Tell them this Nabo guy has it. You know, tell them, you know, say, hey, you guys know who this is. You know, I'm from Las Vegas. Uh, the Killers is a band in Las Vegas. And they were a local band and they hit it pretty big. They've got a couple songs on uh, Guitar Hero. I mean, they're pretty, a pretty big band. That's how I described this band. I mean, you know, try to try to tie them in a little bit to the, give them, you know, real world examples of what you're doing. Give them a perspective. I mean, then, you know, you got to go, you got to go find Nabo at this concert. And really not a lot of people are going to think, Oh, let's break in and steal, steal his comlink. I mean, that's what they're telling you to do. And it just, I've, I've not heard of many people, that that's what happened. I mean, my group wanted to kidnap him out of his limo and all kinds of crazy ideas about that. You know, give throw them some bones, give them a little bit of a... Uh, give them a perspective yeah. on on what, what kinds of repercussions certain things might have. Right. Like, I mean, 
literally, it'd be like, okay, you just kidnapped the killers. Yeah. That's, what were you thinking? Yeah, that's what my group <laughs> did, and they got rid of his body. You know, somebody got a picture of them doing it. So, you know, he, that character is uh, going to have to have some plastic surgery because this band in the in the game is the the goblin rocker of the century and you know who listens to goblin rock every gang well now every gang knows your face and is you know they probably have been sitting around thinking boy let's get this guy we love this band what happened right and right. you know well, it's it's like you know when now i'm gonna date myself here <laughs> like when lennon was shot right i wasn't I, alive it but... was or I wasn't. I, I was alive. I was wasn't alive, but I old. wasn't. Uh, I wasn't very old. He was shot in the eighties, right? Yeah, early eighties. Yeah, so I think I was alive. But uh, you know, okay, now skipping ahead a little bit without trying to ruin anything. You know, I already ruined a little bit, but I'm gonna just skip ahead a little. You find the disc. Now they want you to check the disc out, and they're assuming that you're going to think that this disc isn't the real deal. And want to know what's on it. Well, you know, let's say you watched a recent movie called The Transporter. His entire goal in life is take this package from point A to B and don't look at it. And he, you know, accidentally looks at it and everything the goes to hell. The only time he, he actually looks at it. Everything goes, it to, goes hell. to hell. You know, if anybody's seen that, they're going to think, you know, we might not really want to dig too deep into this. Because something bad might happen. And they're going to have to be really curious and have a hacker in the group, which nine out of ten groups is not going to have a hacker that's going to be able to break this encryption. Right. Because it's yeah, because so hard to have a hacker. So yeah. you kind of make them, make them want to test out the disc. Say, hey, it's a disc. It's got some writing on it. You think it might be the right thing. You know, you might want to are you sure you want to take this to them and say, hey, here it is, you don't know anything about it, you know, kind of lead them towards wanting to check it out if you want to go that route because that's a core section of this group, of this game, uh, uh, adventure. And, you know, try to give them a little bit of that. My group kind of skipped around the whole finding the finding the encryption for it, the decryption for it, because... They didn't really care so much. And then, you know, in the game, in the adventure, you're told to give them a call saying, hey, we want to buy this from you. We don't want your fixer, to, your Johnson to have it. We want to buy it from you. Well, you know, uh, I don't know many runners that are going to say, okay, because even my group, I kind of had to give them, I had to, overpower this group that wants to buy it by a lot. They had uh, unwittingly they're not going to do this again I'm sure they'd found a hacker to, to try to break the encryption. Well they didn't tell him anything about keep it secret. So as he was looking at it you know, they're in a giant hacker kind of place everyone else is like hey that's an encryption. That's weird. I want to check that out. So everyone got a copy of everyone it. Everyone got a copy of it and everyone started emailing their friends. And they, my group had attempted to, well, plant some explosives and blow the place up. Well, you know, an unknown wireless signal appeared out of nowhere in the place. 
full of hackers that are constantly checking the wireless. And they saw it and disabled it and sent their drones after them. Well, there's... I'm sorry, but as a pick on them a little bit, but they didn't say anything about it. You know, you got to kind of try not to pick on them, but try to make them feel like, you know, what you say is what you do. So say what you want. And yeah, because if you just let them, right. Let them get away with everything. If you let them blow up a building, that's not good. (laughs) And I believe that that was a good, a good reasoning behind not being able to do it. You know, a room full of 10, 15, 20 hackers that that's all they do is play video games and hack and do stuff like that. They would you totally know. pick up any new signals that came in. One of them would notice, at least. Yeah. And, you know, I let our uh, I let our face throw a uh, con out. I gave them enough time to say, to give some sort of con, and she's got a six or seven charisma with uh, tailored pheromones and a five or six con skill. So, you know, she's throwing 15, 20 dice. And, you know, I said, hey, you know, you might get a few successes, but you might want to burn some edge on this because if this doesn't succeed, you're going to be in the middle of a huge firefight inside of an enclosed building. And so, you know, I gave them a way out. But made them, you know, I made her burn a point of edge. I, you know, explained, hey, you know, this was kind of your fault. I'm going to give you a way to get out of it, but don't expect it to happen all the time. Right. Yeah, because that's, I mean, so you can't let them walk all over you. And so what I did was, you know, they let that information get out. And that was 100% detrimental to the run. That information getting out basically ruins their contract with the Johnson because that's exactly what he wanted to prevent. So I let this group that wanted to buy the disc be powerful enough to intercept that signal. But I let them have free, you know, a gigantic amount of hackers and, you know, money thrown at, cause you know, thrown at making sure that information didn't get out because they're the third party and they wanted that information solely to themselves, you know? And I told, I told my group, you know, Hey, uh, you might not really want to screw your Johnson over, but pros and cons are Johnson might get mad, but you know that these people have a lot of money and a lot of power, power enough to take out all of that, you know, every copy of that that was sent out. So, you know, it might be a good idea to meet with them, you know, you guys decide, but that is something to think about. That's the reality of the situation. Yeah. I mean, either way, you're going to piss somebody off, and either way, somebody's going to like you. So, you know, if you do screw your Johnson over and sell it to them, well, you know, it's it's not a good choose, thing. But choose it's, your enemies yeah. wisely. I mean, you're choosing you're choosing someone you know has power over your your current job, and you know you might have a bad reputation because of it. But then again, these people are powerful and have money, and you might have a new powerful contact to hook you up with jobs to build your reputation back up. So you guys decide what you want to do. It's, uh, it's, re- it's 100% up to you, but you know you do what you want. Right. Yeah, and because if, if the group as a whole decides that it's 
it's okay to screw over their Johnson. And if they do it easily, if they say, yes, you know what, it's more money, you know, let's do it. That's that's bad. They're going to not live for very long. Right. And, I mean, but those are those are the situations that they choose to put themselves in. Right. If they if they decide, I don't want to screw over my Johnson, but I don't really have a choice. Right. The pros and cons of the situation. Give them pros and cons. The way the book is laid out, it's basically saying, you know, this is a viable option to just sell it to these guys when it's really not normally a viable option. Normally, in normal runs, screwing over your Johnson gets you killed. But in this instance, if you don't give them, you know, if they've played the game before, if they know anything about how how it should be, I mean, not how it should be run, but how... The real, normal etiquette. Yeah, the normal etiquette behind it. There's no way they're going to meet these guys. It's just not... It's not smart. And... You know, it can. What if it's a setup? There are only cons, so you have to throw them some pros if you want to use that section. And that's a pretty ch- big chunk of section, and it's one of the few places where the street Sammy can shine. And try saying that five times real fast. Yeah, it's not going to happen. Not for me. <laughs> but you know, you have to. That that right there dropped a point and a half off of mine because the book is telling you it's okay to screw your Johnson over. It is a viable option just because you get more money. And if that's the way you play the game, you know, it's, that's okay. But nine out of 10 people are not going to play. If you screw your Johnson, it's okay. Nine out of 10 people are going to say, you know, this guy is hiring you to do something illegal already. You know, if he's paying you money to do something illegal and he gets screwed over, he's going to pay someone else to get you back. Right. So, I mean, and if if the worry is, is that the group might actually screw the Johnson over. Go ahead and don't give them any money up front. Keep all of the money back. And when right. when it comes to that point, well, he hasn't lost any money. Right. And then he can throw all of that money right. at hiring another group to take that group out. Right. Or even, you know, let's your, – your run consists of six people. You know, they might hire one person. They might spend the money they were going to pay you six to hire just one person – to screw one person's life over and you know that's that's a lot of money for one person and they're going to find a way to do it and you're going to have to be watching your back for a long time yeah so, especially if they hire a hacker to do it right i mean they might go in and you know screw a lot of stuff over let's say just for instance you know i i remember you're not a big fan of hacking cyberware but what if they pay a hacker 20,000 new yen to go make a guy's cyber arm useless. Yeah. They'll find a way to break this, to hack the signal. I mean, 20,000 new yen is a lot of money for such a tiny thing that they're going to have to do that it might be hard for them, but it's not, you know, for 20 grand, you might do it. I mean, and he might get away with it. 
and that's going to really hinder you. Yeah. I mean, it's just you got to don't screw your Johnson over unless you have a really, really good reason. Or you have a really powerful ally that can take and protect you from right. that that retaliation right. and, that will be coming. <laughs> and using a Shadowrun example, reading the first Shadowrun novel, don't uh, never deal with a dragon. It they have in that run, they find out that they're getting screwed over by their Johnson, and they go and fix what they did so that. They don't get killed. Well, you know, that's easily what could happen is your group gets sent on a job by someone they don't realize is setting them up. And, you know, it might feel like you're picking on them, but, you know, it's they built their own coffin. Yeah. And dug the hole. You know, in this situation, shot the gun as well that killed them because it's... You know, somebody's paying already paying one person to do something illegal. They probably have no qualms about getting revenge on those people for screwing them over. Yeah. Look at the mob. They break legs because you borrowed money and didn't pay it back. I mean... It, in the time that they decided. Right. So, I mean, now it's even... It might not be more legal to do what they did, you know, during mafia times, but it's it's at least as easy if not easier, to get away with something like that if you have the money. Oh, sure. Yeah, and, and because, you know, that's the whole thing. Yeah. Money money can go a long way to making a character's life hell. It also goes in the same opposite direction of making life wonderful by giving you all the toys that you need. Yep. And Or hiring that decker you need to get revenge on the person that screwed you over. I mean, you know, as a player, you're going to get screwed over sometimes. You know, I think you were talking about the movie Payback. Oh, yes. I mean, it's... Uh... Yeah, that's a that's a great example of, you know, why you don't screw somebody yeah. over. I mean, or why if someone screws you over, you could spend an entire session getting someone back. I mean, you know, tell tell the GM what you want to do beforehand and give them time to come up with something and you can do just about anything you want to do. Yeah. Yeah, because that's, you know, there's nothing wrong with telling if for GMs, if your players come to you and say, hey, I want this to happen, give it to them. Yep. <laughs> you know, find a way to make it work. You know, whatever it is. Because if you can make that work, they will remember that forever. Mm -hmm. And if you make it a habit of any time somebody presents you with, hey, I want to do this thing. Especially if it's really cool. Yeah, and you start letting them, they'll start coming to you every game session saying, I want to do this cool thing. Yeah. And say, okay, well, I guess we'll figure it out. but, But, you know... Yeah, I, I kind of have an idea of what's going to happen in this session, So, but I'll see what I can do to work it in. Yeah, like uh, one of my characters wants a flamethrower because they know that if a magician is uh, sustaining a bunch of spells and they're on fire, you know, it's... 
realistically, you're sustaining some spells and concentrating on it. It's not going to happen much longer because you're on fire. And right. that she said, hey, I want to go get a flamethrower. I, I want to do this. And it's maybe tie. you can then tie in their fixer. You know, give their fixer some uh, some life and character and make it a little hard on them to get. It's hard to get a flamethrower and license it. So, you know, make them have to do them a favor before they get it. Oh, and they're trying to license that flamethrower? Well, I mean, it's hard to get something like that, especially if they want... You know, it's it's a. It's, I don't think that you could. I don't think anyone would license a flamethrower. No, I'm not saying that they're going to license it. I'm saying it's not something you can. It's not something you should get very easily, especially. No, definitely not. Especially you know, looking in Arsenal, the the handheld flamethrower without a tank that uses almost almost uses ammo clips. You know, that's a more of a prototype type weapon. It's not general generally sold so you want to make you know make them work for it and it'll give your contacts life yeah yeah because contacts are are so important in this make and them. i mean make them important so that you know your players go back to them right and it's uh I mean, were there were there any real points in the in on the run that you can think of where it has a lot of so it has a lot of legwork and it has a lot of information you can give them and if they have that information it makes the game a lot easier but you know especially new players this is made for new players it doesn't really tell you how to tell them how to use legwork it doesn't tell you it doesn't give you examples to give them of this is what you can do why don't you try something like this? Because they don't know. I mean, my group didn't do any legwork whatsoever because they really didn't know, you know, how useful it could be. And looking at the back at all the information they could have learned, it w- it could have helped them out quite a bit. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's the one thing I was thinking is I, I remember looking at the book and going, my God, there's like, what is it, like four pages of like information? Yeah. And that they'll never know because they'll never do legwork. Yeah, because they didn't realize that it was so important. Right, and or how, how useful it could be. Yeah, and that's the thing is a lot of times people don't realize. And, and as the game master, it's okay to tell people, well, you should try to do some legwork. Right. And if people are like, what, what's legwork? Yeah. Explain to them what it is. There's a quality in, I think, the runner's companion called common sense. Well, you know, give you know, give a character that has never played a role playing game like that a com you know, common sense, something like that. But give everyone a common sense that they you know, there's no way they wouldn't know. I mean, not every person that's playing this game is going to have read all the books and know everything they can do. Give them a common sense, you know, somebody wanted to uh to hack a car but didn't have any hacking skills, I mean, you know, realistically, they could try, but, you know, you got to give them some common sense that, you know, realistically, that's not going to happen. You're going to need some sort of a skill to do it like you do now. Right, and you don't have, your character doesn't have that skill, so you're not going to be able to do it. (laughs) But going by the rules, they could default it. 
Yeah, they. But could they could try. It, they but... could try to default it, but you know, real life, you're not going to be able to. Yeah. I mean, it's just not. It's not feasible. You know, try to give them. Try to give them some clues on what they could do, and give them some hints, and tell them, you know, hey, you know, that's that's an okay idea if you had this skill, but you don't have that skill, you'd be more leaning towards this kind of an idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's entirely what you can do with that. I mean, I mean, give them... Give everyone a free mini common sense that there's no way their character wouldn't know because, you know, yeah, they've almost been... Like a, almost like a... a I hate to use the word real world. Yeah. But a, a world sense yeah. about them. A sixth like sense. you know you know as a member of you know, the the sixth world. Right. That magic works. You right. know I mean these are things that you know. Right. And you know that you can't hack you know, a car unless you know how to hack a car. Right. You know, anyone could pick up a gun and point it and shoot it. Yeah. But you're not going to be good at it. Right. So, yeah, you could default, but you're going to suck. Right. And explain it to them in, you know, even even if you have that hacker who goes, okay, I want to, you know, I want to hack this car. Okay. Let you know, you, you can try to do that. But it's being controlled by a rigger. So you know that it's easier for another rigger to try to take over that car. Right. Or not for a hacker. You know how hard it's going to be for you to do so. Right. Because you don't have the wiring necessary in the cybernetic end to be able to do that very well. Right. Or, well, you could do it okay i mean it's just you don't the hackers don't tend to focus on you know electronic warfare as much as as much as riggers do right right and that's it's going to be hard for you to hack a car that a rigger is controlling because well they're you know that's what they wanted to do on my team they wanted to uh to grab the limo that nabo was traveling in and you know that's a good idea if you had a hacker and, but they really didn't, so they eventually forced the car to crash and killed all the security guards in uh, uh, in public and kidnapped the guy in public. And, well, you know, that's not really the best idea. No, that doesn't lead to very uh, yeah. oh, and, and long lives. Try to convince them not to torture people for information that they know that they don't know. I mean, you know, it's kind of mean. Yeah. Well, the one... There is a way to, to offset that as well, and that is through karma. Yeah. Stop giving it to them. Yeah, or give them bad karma. Yeah, you can institute that as like a house rule, you know. Um, because the, the players themselves don't know what the karma at the end of an adventure is going to be. Right. And, like, I personally don't like the concept of giving out 
karma only at the end of an adventure. <laughs> I just, I've never really liked that idea. And so I've taken to giving out smaller amounts. Whatever they do, good or inventive or... Yeah. If, you know, they, they come up with a really creative way to break something. Um, and by break it, I mean... <laughs> overcome whatever right. it was. If if they can do it without resorting to, you know, I shoot it. <laughs> then, you know, that's that in and of itself. You didn't kill this least, guy. Here's half a karma. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, or, you know, it the he had some very very important piece of information that the group needed. And rather than torturing him to get it, they took him out to lunch and, you know, just sweet-talked him. Right. Hey, that was that was not what, you know, you most Shadowrun groups do. Right. Most of them go and hold the guy at gunpoint and demand that, he give, that they give him all of the information that they could ever know. Yeah, and uh, know. threaten to shoot him in the kneecap, and when he doesn't say anything, shoot him in the kneecap and... Forget that they're using flechette ammunition and blow off his leg, and you know then yeah. they're screwed. Yeah, I mean, I mean you don't you, you don't do you shot things like that. You shot a guy. I mean, when you could have done something, you know, like I don't know, talk to the guy or pay him. There's nothing wrong with paying for information. I mean, but... people pay for sex, so <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, you know, I think. Uh... We've talked about this for at least, what, seven episodes now? This is seven episodes long, or are we up to I 20 think, episodes in just episode five? we're up five? to 20 episodes now, yeah, so, I think, uh, just this. So. I'm going to uh, get out of here and let you do your closing stuff. All right. And uh, I will be back for the next episode. All right, it was really good seeing you, Exodus. Well, uh, try and, uh, try and use the stuff you might have, might or might not have learned while listening to us, uh, Babylon endlessly. And, uh, hopefully you will want us to Babylon endlessly again. And we will be able to do that with what I think, uh, we decided was the next section will be kind of like this, but more focused on running a game and how to, uh, interact with the world around you and uh, hopefully it will be at least as informative as this one we can hope yep see ya well chummers hope you found some useful bits and all that slog now you can contact the hidden grid crew a number of ways those are email at hiddengrid at gmail dot com there is the comment section on the blog at hiddengrid.com slash blog. There's also the forums at hiddengrid.com slash forums. And for those people really plugged in, you can find us on the following social network sites. MySpace and RPG Bomb. Look for Zen Dead. And if you're on LiveJournal and or Twitter, you can look for Hidden Grid. And if you want to IM, there is Yahoo Messenger or Skype. 
Just look for Hidden Grid or Zen Dead. Now that those are out of the way, remember that till next time, shoot straight, conserve ammo, and never, ever deal with a dragon. Oh, my God.